Section 11 of Dolcamara. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Fatima da Silva. Dolcamara by Howard Saxby. A Portrait of the Virgin. Monsieur Etienne de Chotelaine sat before the fireplace of his country house, smoking a pipe of fragrant tobacco. Beside him on a table stood a bowl of hot punch and several glasses. The walls were hung with fine oil paintings, pieces of armor, broadswords, rapiers, and other rare old relics that a modern lover of antiques would give a fortune to possess. On the mantel over the fireplace were several pipes and a jar of tobacco, the whole room presenting a pleasing appearance of warmth and comfort in striking contrast to the piercing cold and blustering wind outside. In spite of his pleasant surroundings, Monsieur de Chotelaine did not seem to be either very happy or comfortable. Every few minutes he would rise from his chair and walk thoughtfully around the room. This country life did not please him. He was accustomed to the excitement of the city, to the gaming and drinking and fair women of Paris. Why had his father made that infernal will compelling his heir to remain on his country estate three months of the year? He thought of his crony, Du Quenay, sitting at the Beef Rouge with a crowd of his companions. He heard the bottles pop, the dip of the punch ladle, and the merry bursts of laughter. Ah, if only he were in Paris! He walked back to the fireplace, and sitting down refilled his pipe and his punch glass. A few minutes later, a servant entered and announced Monsieur le Cure Constance, the parish priest of a little town near his estate. Send him in, said de Chotelaine, thinking that even a cure was better than nobody, and besides, this one was an old friend of the family, an exceptionally good company. The old priest entered, and after a few words of greeting, filled and lit the long clay pipe preferred by his host. For a while they conversed about the city. Father Constance had not seen it since his youth. He loved the city, but he loved the quiet, pious country more. Cure, said Etienne at last, it has always been a mystery to me how you holy men endure life. What are your pleasures? What do you enjoy except the questionable happiness of living? If, mind I say, if you live in the sanctity and godliness you profess, methinks you pay a heavy price for being supported by the people. Etienne, what mean you by if? Would you throw reproach upon the servants of our holy church? No, cure, I would not offend you, but tell me what you enjoy in life. In life we enjoy the blessed hope of everlasting life and the heavenly peace of the Holy Spirit. I would be enjoying myself now were you not saying impious things 
but father constance it cannot be that you with all your wisdom your penetrating mind your knowledge of the sciences it can't be that you believe what you profess even what you preach du chotelaine you are mad exclaimed the cure i can scarcely believe that you the son of so pious a father utter these idle blasphemies what has come over you in these last two years i have heard the stories of your mad doings in paris i have heard of your drinking bouts of your mad wages with drunken companions of the women you have jilted of the girl who they say killed herself on your account but i have not believed all of them i have tried to think they were only youthful errors magnified by report and that you have your father's heart in back of them and now you ask me your cure do i believe what i profess etienne your father and i have many a time sat in this very room before this fireplace in these same chairs and as often have you sat on my knee and implored a whiff of my pipe and the sip of my punch listen may i be struck dead and my soul consumed in everlasting fire if i do not believe entirely everything i taught you as a youth if i do not put my trust in god and his son our saviour jesus christ if i have not kept the vows i made when i accepted the garb of the church of rome eh bien mon cure you will not confess i hate to hold other men's secrets anyway and yet i will tell you mine i do not believe in your god or your church i have thought much on the subject and this is my conclusion it is a very convenient one i assure you it takes away all apprehension of punishment in a future world you have not considered this question rightly my son dame non qui non intelligent as the ancient said you wanted the contest between your better and worse self to end thus and consequently it has but i know you will soon turn back to your old belief etienne let me help you that you are an efficient teacher father i am well convinced for in making love to the maids of your parish i have found them most religious and god-fearing still my mind is convinced and at rest you cannot help me when you are an old broken-down roué you will wish you had followed my advice etienne marry some woman of your own class some good woman and be true to her spend the winter in paris the summer here have a good wine cellar in both establishments go to church often and bring up your children in the fear of god what more could man want the young man laughed such a life may please me when i am old when i am a broken-down roué as you say but not now give me a dozen companions good fellows all several dozen women to figuratively hang on a string and play with and plenty yes more than plenty of wine that is the life for me that is my life having these things i grant the truth of your observation could man want more wine said the cure lifting his glass 
Wine in moderation is good. Tobacco is good, very good. But dallying with women, drunkenness, bah, Etienne, let them alone. No, I will not let them alone. Through a woman I will convince you of the falsity of your doctrine. Just now you asked to be struck dead as you kissed the crucifix if what you said was not true. To be candid, I believe you lied, and yet you live. Ergo, I wot there is no God, and hence I do not fear to tempt him. Father, look at yon portrait of the Virgin. Is it not beautiful? Can you imagine a more lovely woman? Had I lived in her time, I would have made ardent love to her, I know. And God, I'll wager she'd have loved me. Most modern women find me irresistible, anyway. Besides, you blaspheme, cried Constance. I must leave your house or I will be compelled to pronounce the excommunication. I... Bear with me a moment longer. I will show you that your God is a myth if I have to insult his whole family. The young man rose and pulled the crucifix from the priest's neck before the owner could prevent him and dashed it into the fire. Then, crossing to the portrait of the Virgin, he said, ironically, Behold the prowess of the God of hosts. He cannot even prevent me kissing the mother of his son. De Chotelaine, Etienne, relent, relent, cried the priest, who seemed unable to move from his position, and felt as if his muscles were rendered powerless by some unseen force. Say you will kiss the Virgin's likeness with a reverent kiss of repentance. Say that with that kiss you will give up your old life. Say, no cure, I do it because she is a beautiful woman, and I always kiss beautiful women. I do it because I wish to kiss her, and because I want to give your God a chance to show that he exists. Would that I had the rosy cheeks of the original for the experiment. As the young blasphemer stretched his lips to those of the portrait, it fell with a crash to the floor, and he, with an oath, jumped down to pick it up. Que diable! he exclaimed as he looked at it. The canvas is blank. Blank? Blank? A miracle! cried the cure, clasping his hands and then suddenly, as his eyes fell upon the fire, Etienne, look at that wooden crucifix. In the midst of your roaring fire, it does not burn. The short Len rushed to the hearth, and putting his hand into the blazing fire, plucked forth the crucifix he had thrown, as he thought, to its destruction. Then, tottering, he walked to the priest and fell upon his knees, before him. End of section 11